Kids are playing the exact same sport. They're doing the exact same motion 365 days out of the year. They're throwing, they're kicking. Um, they're doing the same thing over and over and over again. And so it's that direct opposition to what physical literacy is. Now, to be very clear, I think sport is great once children reach a certain age. And that age, it, it, it depends on when children have acquired enough physical literacy to suspend to support sports specialization, if that's the route that they want to go down. Welcome to the Movable Podcast, where we interview using education, movement, and play from around the world. Here's your host, my daddy, Brian Lane. Today we have a returning guest from the Brand X Method the world leaders in youth training, and doing what's best for kids. Here to talk about physical literacy, please welcome Keegan Martin. Keegan, thanks for coming on the show again. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. So today we want to explore physical literacy. So for PE teachers out there, hopefully we're all pretty familiar with that. But if you're not, Keegan and the Brand X Method really do a great job diving in deep with it and exploring everything about physical literacy and why it's important. So Keegan, do you want to first take us through what is physical literacy? Yeah, so physical literacy is uh, it's a concept that, that centers around the ability to interact with the environment around you. Um, and as coaches and as PE coaches, you should be focused on a few things that really get you to bring that out of, of children as they progress physically. Um, so interaction with the environment, first off, speaks to um, 360 degrees. And I think in, in training nowadays, we do a lot of things that just happen straight up and down and we neglect a lot of different planes of movement, which actually transfer over really well to not just uh, being able to do and perform things physically through life, but uh, also ultimately for, you know, peak performance and for sport. So um, we're missing out by not including physical literacy. But like I said, it's the, inter- it's the ability to interact with the environment. And it's, it's characterized by three major things that we focus on at the Brand X Method, which are physical competence. Um, so how well children move in certain positions. Uh, we focus on six primal movement patterns. So the squat, uh, the hinge, uh, the lunge, the push, pull, and core patterns. And we found that building competence around those six primal patterns leads to competency in sport and interaction with your environment and day-to-day life. Um, we also focus on building uh, co- confidence in the children. Uh, we do that through just small successes day after day, uh, as well as their motivation to attack the broadest range of physical abilities that they possibly can. That's really what physical literacy is. I always describe it, you know, because that kind of gets a, li- a little wordy. Um, but uh, I always describe it as, you know, physical literacy is the ability to do something like um, backflip while catching a football with one hand, uh, while the wind is blowing on your face, um, knowing that you're going to be able to do that and simultaneously looking for the next awesome thing that you know you can do. It's the ability to interact with anything in the way that you want to be able to do so. Yeah, that's great. I, I love that definition because it encompasses so many different things. And I think it's funny because as I get older, for, for years, whenever I would train personally, I would work on all the things that we talked about that's still typical in the fitness industry where it's all in one plane and it's all 
straight ahead and you're just doing whatever uh, squats or curls or whatever it is. And you don't really train all the other areas that you need to have. And I've noticed now having a four-year-old son and now starting to kind of play again. Now I'm doing stuff just naturally when I play with my kid where I'm moving in a bunch of different planes and I'm kind of building physical literacy back into my life again, just because I'm able to do a bunch of different things. What's neat about that too, like you mentioned, you know, your four-year-old son, I've got a three-year-old daughter and it's the oh, exact okay. same thing. You know, I noticed that when I go to the gym, I, I, I move straight up and down primarily to, to, to build strength or, um, you know, I focus on certain movements. Um, but I noticed that when I'm playing with her just naturally, how they're interacting with their environment because they're seeking to learn, they're doing all these things that I haven't done in, in you know, a few years myself. So it's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. And, and what's, what's funny is I remember on the last episode, we talked about a certain person in a certain fitness competition who was the fittest person on earth at the time, but could not throw a softball very well at all. So it's funny that that happens because I think that's becoming more and more common now because people are lacking that physical literacy component. Like you just talked about, they're strong and they can do certain things really well, but, but yeah, a hundred percent. Right. And I think you, you think about classic movements inside of the gym, um, you know, the thruster, the snatch, the clean and jerk, the box jump, the muscle up, the burpee, everything is happening in just this, this, uh, sagittal plane. It's straight up and down. And we're no longer twisting. We're no longer um, jumping over things, crawling, um, and 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 moving in these these locomotive patterns. We've lost that. And you know, it's 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 one thing to say, okay, this this person is the fittest, but you have to also understand that you've tailored that that uh, competition because the movements that you've selected are easy to measure. Mm-hmm. It's really hard and difficult to say the power output on. Um, you know, uh, catching a football at a, at a, a hundred meters, right. Yep. Um, those things are really difficult to measure. And, and so, you know, how much time it takes somebody to do a set number of thrusters and pull-ups, for example, is, is really easy, but that doesn't necessarily encompass fitness as a whole. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. So, so on that note, as far as youth go, what do you think is the best way to start to implement more physical literacy into their training and into PE classes in my situation? Yeah. Um, number one is just play and allowing them to interact with the environment around them. One of our favorite things to do is set up what we would call an obstacle course. And we allow the kids to move through it how they want to move through it. So if they want to bear crawl from one station to the next, we're going to have them bear crawl from one station to the next. If they want to crab walk sideways, uh, then we're going to have them crab walk sideways. If they're going to scale something and then climb over it, we're going to allow that. Um, it's allowing for them to experiment with the, with the environment around them and really learn through that process. So something I think PE teachers have available to them that's really underutilized is playground structures. Mm-hmm. Allowing children to, to, to scale and move through those um, like they would if they were just free playing at recess. Yep. Uh, and then incorporating some sort of movement at different stations, you know, but I think that that's really the best way to bring it out is allowing them to play and allowing them to interact with their environment without any, any rules. Mm-hmm. So you and I are both younger, but I think we've, we've both noticed a shift in that physical literacy component over the last decade or so, or even, even, even sooner than that, honestly, in the past five to 10 years, what have you noticed as far as 
kids from 10 to 15 years ago and, and as far as physical literacy is concerned and nowadays? Yeah, I think um, it's probably a little over 10 years ago now, we started to see a massive shift in physical literacy and just the ability really to put their bodies in certain positions because there was a lack of physical literacy in day-to-day life outside of school. And I think that's brought on due to uh, the, the, the classic, you know, Western lifestyle now mm-hmm. is, you know, you get a ride to school, you sit all day at school, you go home, you do your homework, and there's only a couple hours left in the day. And usually that time is the mom and dad want to see you. Uh, you have dinner with your family and then you, and then you go to bed, right? And it's repeat, um, you know, at least five days out of the week. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we're seeing is a lot of issues that are brought on by a sedentary lifestyle and a lack of physical literacy and exploration. So we're seeing mm-hmm. kids with um, prolapsed uh, ankles, right? And, and, and flat feet. We're seeing a, that, that um, pronation of the ankle. So an inward rotation, which causes a, a host of issues up the chain. We're seeing mm-hmm. a, a valgus knee position. They're unable to engage their glute and in, in, in the arch on the bottom of their foot. Um, mm-hmm. We're seeing an anterior hip rotation, um, probably due to tight hip flexors and quads and spinal erectors because they're sitting all day. Yeah. And then to go with that hyperextension of the lower back, we're also seeing an extreme rounding of the upper back. Uh, we call it device head because mm-hmm. kids are, are getting short here in their pecs and their anterior delts. They're kind of, hunched over on a phone, a computer, or they're writing, they're at a desk all day. Um, and so we're seeing this, this profound lack of movement and profound lack of mobility and lack of understanding positions that we didn't see up until the last, you know, 10, 15 years, like you said. Yeah, I agree with you. And what's tricky now is for a moment when all this COVID stuff happened, I noticed more people than ever were outside doing stuff, even together as a family, which is amazing. But unfortunately, as the school year comes up again, there's going to be more kids remote learning than ever. So that kind of screen, looking at a screen body type that you're talking about there, hopefully that doesn't get worse this year because kids are kind of forced to be on computers and on screens. So I think it's more important now than ever to keep pushing this kind of stuff to get kids outside and to get them playing and to get them working on physical literacy. No, 100%. A hundred percent. And I think that was really cool because that, that was something that we hadn't seen for, for decades, right? People going out yep. playing catch with their, their, their family or going to the park and allowing their kids to play on the playgrounds. Um, and I think hopefully most of, most of the kids enjoyed that and yeah. want to continue it, right? Because they realized that it was something that was missing from their life was that just free play and interaction with the environment around them. I think that that is, is crucial and hopefully Hopefully, like you said, you know, sitting at a screen all day um, doesn't make that worse. Yeah, I know. And one other key word I think you said earlier that I really liked was just the idea of exploration. I think that's such an overlooked part of education in general, whether it's a classroom setting or whether it's PE or it's uh, training in a training facility. I think giving kids and adults the chance to explore, as you guys call movement solutions, I think. I think that's huge to just yeah. learning stuff naturally. Yeah, no. And, 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 and really, if you think about it, it's the same concept as learning like you would new material for school or new or new material for, for your studies. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're not introduced to new material, you'll never learn those concepts. Yep. And the same thing goes physically with our bodies, right? If we never learn how to scale a wall, 
or if we never learn these locomotive patterns to get us from one place to the next, we'll never solve those problems. And so movement solutions are really there. They're there in place for movement gaps. Hmm. They're the solution to movement gaps that we're seeing, um, which mm-hmm. is the, the the lack of understanding how and, and where to place our bodies to get through um, certain obstacles. Mm-hmm. And that, that, that exploration and allowing for that really provides that for kids. Yep. And that's what's tricky with sports, I think, with organized sports, because within the sport, there is that um, unpredictability, I guess, and there's the chance for exploration. But at, but at the same time, it limits it as well, because you're in that specific setting doing that. So what are your guys, as the Brand X method is as a whole, what are your thoughts on youth sports and how they kind of weave in through this physical literacy thing? That's a, a loaded question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I think sports, sports and physical literacy, first off, they're opposites because when you okay. think about it truly at its, at its, at its core, right. Physical literacy is the, the ability to interact with the environment with no rules, uh, to explore and really to come up with as many movement solutions to as many movement gaps as possible. That's really what it is. Right. And then sport is a set amount of rules for a set amount of time, uh, with a, with a goal. And so it's, it's practicing a single thing re- re- repeated. And hmm. oftentimes now when you look at sport, there's, um, I, I always do quotations for the seasons, right? Yeah. The, the sports season for kids. And really what that boils down to is like 10 months out of the year, yep. um, if not more, kids are playing the exact same sport. They're doing the exact same motion 365 days out of the year. They're throwing, they're kicking. Um, they're doing the same thing over and over and over again. And so it's that direct opposition to what physical literacy is. Now, to be very clear, I think sport is great once children reach a certain age. Mm-hmm. And that age, it, it, it depends on when children have acquired enough physical literacy to, su- to support sport specialization. If that's mm-hmm. the route that they want to go down. Yeah. Right. Um, but up until that point, I think that they should be playing multiple sports, not just one for 10 months out of the year. Um, I think that they should be playing multiple sports up until that point. And mm-hmm. really the core, the basis of their program, especially inside of physical education, should be physical literacy, right? How do we get kids to understand that, that, that they should be moving in as many planes as possible, exploring, trying new things, trying things with their opposite or we can't, trying things. Um, moving backwards, right? Like come up with as many movement solutions as you possibly can, because that's going to give you the broadest base possible to perform well at the top. Yep. And the perfect example of that now, you look at people like um, Kyler Murray. Okay. Right? He, he, yep. he won the Heisman Trophy um, and then went on his, his uh, signing year inside of the NFL, won the, uh, won the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. Right. But what people, a lot of people don't know about him is he was actually contracted and signed to play major league baseball prior to his NFL contract. He was a two sport athlete at the highest level because he had a broad base of physical literacy. He played multiple sports up until high school, Hmm. several, right? You look at that as an example and you go, wow, he's an amazing athlete. Well, yeah, he's an amazing athlete. He's gifted. He's talented. He has more than most people have, but he spent a large amount of time focusing on gaining as many skills as possible before sports specialization. And I think really that's what we're after. 
Yeah, you're right. And so how do we convince parents? Because I think that's one, I think the education component of this is one of the biggest hurdles. I think a lot of people will agree with you when they hear you say that. But then just like I read in the in the PYCC course, when it boils down to it, if there's a, a youth soccer program at four o'clock, let's say, but then there's a brand X class at four o'clock at a gym that offers a well-rounded um, base for kids so that they can play sports. A lot of parents are going to opt for the kind of the specialty of soccer or hockey or whatever it is and not see as much value in the well-rounded physical literacy based approach. So how do we, how do we convince people that that is just as important, if not more important than getting your kid into a soccer league when they're little or getting them into a a T-ball league when they're little? Yeah, I'm a visual person. And one of my favorite examples, Brian, is the, uh, the theoretical hierarchy for development of an athlete. Um, so just to talk through for you guys who are teachers and and you guys can Google this as well. Um, it's, it's, it's a pyramid. Okay. And at the base of the pyramid sits, uh, nutrition, uh, rest and, and recovery. Okay. Above that you have metabolic conditioning. So think, uh, I have to be able to do things without getting tired. Right. Um, that, that would make me a better athlete. I have to be able to control, um, not getting tired as I, as I perform tasks. Then above that, uh, you have gymnastics. So I have to be able to control my body through space without getting tired. Next, you have uh, weightlifting and throwing. Okay, so I have to be able to control an external object and myself without getting tired. Mm -hmm. And then at the peak, you have sport. So I have to be able to control an external object and myself without getting tired while somebody else tries to stop me from my goal. (laughs) Right? So it's tiered. You can see it in that manner. Um, So at the base, just to recap, nutrition, rest, recovery, metabolic conditioning, gymnastics, weightlifting, throwing, sport at the peak. Yep. Right. I write that up and I explain that to parents and then I'll take, I'll truncate the pyramid and I'll make a small triangle over here to the other side of the, the, um, the theoretical hierarchy and I'll put just sport and I'll show them, Hey, if your child focuses on building a base, nutrition, rest, recovery, physical literacy as a base mm-hmm. with doing things without getting tired, positional consistency and then controlling an external object. This is how far they can go in their sport versus if they just focus on the sport. We've yep. truncated the pyramid. Hmm. And that has become the biggest selling point I've ever found for parents because it's visual. They can see yep. and understand, okay, if my child's not eating the right things, if they're not exploring and getting a broad um, base for understanding what their body can do, if they're not focusing on not getting tired, if they're not focusing on controlling their body, if they're not focusing on getting strong in these positions, then they're not going to be able to go as far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really good way to look at it. I like that a lot because for most people in their eyes, the pyramids flipped upside down where they start with sport and then they play catch up with everything else. Oh, if my, if my child wants to do better, I guess they better start training or if they want to um, perform better, they better start sleeping better or start eating better when, yeah. like you said, all that stuff needs to come first before you get into that. A hundred percent. And you think about a, a pyramid, right? And the concept of a pyramid, the wider and the greater the base, the higher up we can go. Yep. Yeah. That's a, that's a really good visual. I, I like that a lot. And hopefully that, hopefully through educating parents and through talking to them like that, we can start getting people 
to kind of take a step back because unfortunately now in this age of honestly social media it seems like we all deal with FOMO and keeping up with the Joneses so it's if you have your if your neighbor's kids are in all these leagues but your kid isn't you feel like you're going to fall behind them and I think that's what's going on all over the world right now especially in our country. Well, yeah. And you look at uh, early sports specialization makes that extremely difficult as well. Right. Um, And and we're kind of doing things backwards. You look at the rest of the rest of the world, they're focusing on building a broad base. And then kids are beginning to specialize as they come out of high school, choosing a single sport um, rather than peaking. And hopefully we'll make it to 18, 19 years old without an injury so that we can get a college scholarship. Yep. That's become the focus. And I think as far as health and longevity goes, it's completely flipped backwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. Well, I mean, before we sign off here, just as a plug for you guys, honestly, I, I just completed the professional youth coach certification and loved it. I have a, I've been CrossFit certified for CrossFit Kids Level 1. I've done, um, I've done the certified functional strength coach through Mike Boyle. All great certifications, but this one even though it was all online, I loved just how broad it was with covering the business side of being a professional coach and dealing with kids specifically, mm-hmm. where I haven't done any trainings that were this in-depth with both of those things. And I, I feel really confident coming out of it, even though I'm already a PE teacher, I learned so much more specifics about kids with nutrition, with sleep, with where they are developmentally. Mm-hmm. So before you talk about it, I just wanted to make sure everyone knew from a as non-biased, I guess, as I can be, I really enjoyed taking the course and I, th- I thought it was great. Well, good. Thank you. And congrats. That's a, it's a, it's a, it's a cool opening, right? Because yeah. it gives you the framework. And that's really what we wanted with the PYCC was to give people an understanding of what true training should look like from the most scientific point possible. Mm-hmm. So we take into consideration their 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 biological um, uh, standpoint, where they're at, right? Developmentally, where they where they're actually at, psychologically, where they're at, socially, where they're at. Um, that's become you know the focus of what training kids should look like. Obviously, we need to make things fun. Obviously, we need to make sure that they're exposed to as many things as possible at a young age. Um, but looking at training through that lens, biopsychosocial really changes the game for training kids because you can quickly understand and see where training programs go wrong. Oh, I might just take this workout for an adult and scale it down when it's completely inappropriate. The, the, the whole goal of that workout is to train a certain energy system that children actually developmentally aren't ready for. Yep. You're right. Um, and so it, it's a, it's a really um, a cool opening, like I said, to, to, to go through that because on the other side, the PYCC pro, which you're probably starting to dig into now as well, Mm -hmm. is all the implementation. So you get all the theory inside of PYCC and then you're exposed to, okay, here's how I get to do it. And Mm -hmm. there's a host of other individuals who are on there specifically in your, in your position, Brian, who are PE teachers that have a million different ways on how to incorporate those theories into PE classes, which is beautiful. Yeah, that's an awesome resource to have to kind of help carry you on throughout the whole implementation process of it. I really enjoyed talking to um, Sam Mathers from Fitter Futures because yeah, what what was really cool about her perspective was 80% of her focus at her gym is on kids 
And then the youth or the adult training is kind of an add on to that, which in 99% of gyms around the world, that's flipped. So yeah. I'm, I'm hoping that the future of youth training and youth fitness and doing what's best for kids is that approach where here's a, here's a center for youth training that's focused on youth, but we also happen to offer adult classes because that's well, the only way we're going to really do what's best for kids. And I agree a hundred percent, right? Because what she's done beautifully is set it up so that there's client autonomy. And that's really what we're after is developing children to a point where they no longer actually need us. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can go out and they know and understand what their body needs to continue to enjoy the rest of their life, continue to be able to play the games that they enjoy for the rest of their life, right? Give them the actual health and longevity, but a deeper knowledge and understanding of what they specifically need. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's done that beautifully well by setting it up as a, as a kid's program first and allowing them to graduate into what she calls her adult class, yep. um, which is essentially a group of people who are autonomous in fitness. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really great setup. And I know there's other gyms out there that are doing it the same way. So that's cool. Yeah, it flows beautifully into our partners with a, a partnership with OPEX. Yeah. Yep. You're right. All right. Well, Keegan, is there anything else you want to talk about before we sign off here? No, not unless there's any other questions you got, man. No, I'm good. Cool. Well, thank you again for having me, Brian. I appreciate it. No problem.